0: working? It was, it was All right. Got lost, so, what? Is is it working? But there was a, she was in it too. Derek was in it. Okay so good. My, daughter, my whole family was <laughs> in it. that
1: was So uh, so I'm not entirely sure what Luke's gonna talk about except the uh <laughs> except that he 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 really stretched himself uh and, and I, I think. Um and I know he's wanted to do it for a long time and and do a medical mission. And so he was able to do that. And so I think we're going to probably see some pictures, and he's going to tell us that story. Um, but but maybe, Luke, and this would be a strong hint, that you, you would uh, tell us why it was such a big thing on your heart and why it was important for you to do it. And I know you've traveled other places as well, but...
0: And maybe why you felt
1: cold. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wasn't going to... I wasn't gonna. That was good, Derek. Uh, that that was gonna. I actually thought about it, but I wasn't gonna say it. But
0: oh, it's in it's deeply it's called. In a
1: have we beaten that one to death? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I, I better let Luke I think, come up here. I think we're done with yeah, that. he's 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 our uh, Nancy and I's oldest son, middle child, and um,
2: he's cute as a button. Cute as a button.
1: Yep. Yeah. So come on up, Luke. Let's let's do it. Um, who of you have
2: met Luke before? you can you can say yeah uh, okay pretty, i don't have to keep it up i'm going to keep it down there he came and spot something? a few years ago when we were um teaching about No, I didn't. Prob- prob- probably. It was a couple years ago. Here for? It was yep. Oh, it was two years ago. Oh, God. This, this won't oh, be really? as emotional, I promise. We're I don't here. know that I was there for that particular teaching, but I remember the Muslim. It was 2015. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I was, okay. So I, I don't have, like, I, I got a PowerPoint slide ready. So. Michael, you can hit just the first slide and kind of up there. Um,
1: you should move your microphone back that
2: way. So yeah, I can, you can kind of angle it. Of
1: or you can hold it. Or you can go just move back that
2: way. No, but I need to talk into this for recording purposes, right? I
1: understand, but you take the microphone and just move it back.
0: <laughs> I, I'm going gonna,
2: I'm, I'm gonna to put it this way so I can see it right here. I'm good right here. Oh, there you go. I like this. Okay. So um, can someone give me like a, just a like less than thirty second version on what you've hit, what topics on mission that you've hit? One of the, one of the leaders per se, or anyone that just general categories, just so I have an idea of what you guys have done as far as missionary stuff, teachings. No, no, what, the the talks, traveling? No, the the no, last, you know, the, like, the several talks. That came, um, oh, the In August, yeah. uh, when they,
1: when most of them. We uh, had a couple talk
2: about their stories, yeah. just individually. But okay. Also about kind of some urban ministry that he's doing. Okay, stories, kind of urban ministry. That was
0: it,
1: Brian and his, his wife. Uh, uh, okay,
2: any so other broad had, topics?
1: Um, Rick did... um Hartley did uh, prison ministry. Oh, okay. Gap prison ministry.
0: Okay. Derek and Danielle. You guys. Did India. Okay. Their India trip. Okay. Emanos and, and Amanda. Um, of talked course. About where they are now that they're back.
2: Coming there, out of the field. What What does that look like coming out of the field? Mm-hmm.
1: And then we had a couple from Colombia that nice. talked about what it's like coming to the United States and. Positioning themselves here in their heart for mission and Aye. local mission. Um, so they took, I don't know, They. I'm not sure if they honed in on any one, one thing in their talk. No,
0: they're kind of general.
1: Yeah, and then the last one was a guy from SIM, which stands for.
0: Sudan interior mission. Good. Sweet. I knew the interior. Sudan yeah. interior. So we talked about the heart of mission, that a big part of and
2: uh, yeah.
1: and that everywhere is a mission field. Oh, a common theme with everybody was mission fields all around us.
2: Was the word vocation brought up at any point in time? <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. I was, I'm just curious on this if. For the last two months. Oh, I'm. I was just wondering. Okay. Derek, Derek, just,
0: Derek must have set you up.
2: Uh, Mike I don't even know where Derek is right now. Derek, where are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, Michael. I was ready for the
0: lights in case there's a slideshow.
2: Are we up on on? Is my PowerPoint up? Sweet. Got lots of videos to bog your system down. Actually, no videos, unfortunately. If you guys want to see some videos after, we can do that, but um, we're going to get a little poetic. To be or not to be a missionary. So I'm going to try not to ramble and and just kind of share a little bit of my story, but I also do have um, a very small amount, and if you know my father, a very small amount isn't doesn't always stay a small amount, but hey, a small amount. Oh, hey, I, I am your blood. Could you, could you, first just take a couple minutes? Introduce to myself. Talk about how yes. You yes, got about how I'm going to kind of detail kind of okay. everything there, but I will do a, a small expository teaching on a verse that has kind of been on my heart. So, I think I think that's what the Holy Spirit would want me to share in a little bit, but um. Yeah, I guess as far as To introduce myself, I was one of the original Remedians, as my parents usually say, so we started it after I graduated high school. He was the reason we started it. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Yeah, 98. And um, didn't really get any baseball scholarships like I had been hoping, so went to junior college. Um, Got accepted to a really cool college that I ended up going to, but I didn't get like, oh no, that was after the fact. Anyway. Um, had to had to stay home a little bit longer, do the junior college thing, and there was no college ministry. So, uh, stayed at home a little bit longer, as we all like to do. Anyone still living at home? It's okay. Yes, <laughs> it's okay. It saves lots of money. It's good. It's very good. Um, and uh, obviously grew up in this family, so I had a lot of exposure to church and who God was but ultimately had to make my own decision and did that in high school uh, and probably the next step that would lead me would be to college went to a private Christian college Pepperdine University um, little college down in Malibu waves. yep go Waves pretty pretty amazing little spot but um I'll fast forward that whole uh experience in a few years there, um, as a sports medicine major. And, um, I knew I wanted to fix people somehow. I wanted to work with people's bodies and do that. Um, and, uh, by the end of somewhere around my last year, it gets, the details get fuzzy on exactly what, but I have a super distinct memory of going, I don't know why I went to it. I don't know if it was like convocation credits that I needed or something, but it was like, a. It was a small talk on um i think there was people who were potentially interested in the mission field and particularly china and back in two thousand and two, that was kind of like i think probably more more on the ground floor looking back um, and so there was a you know a lot of talk about it, but I don't remember a lot of talk, but I do remember one thing I remember being uh very fearful could be a word, but very hesitant that, man, could God call me to be a missionary when I don't really feel like I want to be? And so they were talking about all these experiences and all these fears. And, um, and I left that meeting kind of like anxious and nervous and it was kind of interesting feeling. Does has anyone ever had that feeling? Like, has anyone been a Christian more than a year? Has anyone been a Christian more than a year? Less than a year? My whole life. How did you do that? That is amazing, man. Um, so, is anyone not a Christian? So so sweet. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm, I'm
0: agnostic.
2: So. Sweet. Okay, so um, I think that's great. That's awesome you guys are here. So it's kind of an interesting thing because when you become a Christian, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, um, you have this kind of idea that, um, you know, ministry or being a Christian who goes on the mission field or goes and helps people and, other countries, wherever it may be, is like a big noble thing. And to be honest, even in the um, agnostic world or just general community, the whole nonprofit, you know, uh, disaster relief stuff, I mean, that's, that's like big stuff, and it's very noble thing. I mean, to give of yourself, your time, your resources, your talents, whatever you have, and go help people who are, neat, who are truly, truly need and can't help themselves. And what it kind of boils down to, really, is um, from a Christian perspective, is you know where where really is your heart, and that can be it anywhere. But are we going to live our lives selfish enough that we, which is natural, that we keep looking after ourselves every day, all the time? Because, again, that's what's natural. And we have to fight that natural process, especially when um, our culture just feeds into it, that we have to look out for ourselves first. We have to feed ourselves. We have to um, make more money for ourselves. We have to save more money for ourselves for retirement. We have to do this for ourselves. We have to do things that are fun for us. We have to have downtime and do activities that are fun for me. And then, you know, really when... You know, one of the most fulfilling things that anyone can do in life um, is really when you push all that stuff aside and you go serve someone and you go help someone that just needs it. And you don't, have to be, you don't have to be a Christian. And in fact, sometimes it's kind of refreshing to not say anything about being a Christian and see someone who looks homeless, may not look homeless, but definitely looks in need, and you just go buy them a meal because they obviously look in need and they just look at you in the eyes with a sincere uh, heart and a sincere look and just say, thank you so much. You know, that means so much. I just really appreciate it. And you just say, hey, have a great day. And, um, you know, that's ultimately the heart that God instills in us and I'll avoid getting too theological because I'll focus <laughs> back on this. But really, um, you know, the Bible talks about um, our natural hearts of stone, and how they're so hard, and it's really hard to penetrate those hard hearts. And he says, um, you can't really do it yourself. You can try a lot of things, and you can find peace in small chunks in this world. But you can't really get past this small heart, this this heart of stone and actually have a fulfilling, peace-filled life. He says, I'm going to actually do some surgery. If you let me and give me the okay, God says, I'm going to reach in, do some surgery, pull your heart of stone out. And I'm going to put a nice soft heart. Heart of that's that's malleable, and moldable that I can shape, that I can do things that I want to do through you to help other people, to help those who can't help themselves. Um, And that's really what the essence of being a Christian boils down to, is um, giving your life up to God and letting Him change you because as much as you try, you can change yourself for a while, but you can't really... You can't really be good for that long. I think all of us kind of realize that. So I'll get off that that box right now. But that does lead me, um, what's that? i will get to that. That does kind of segue nicely into what I was getting to because that was one of my, uh, it was one of my last semester. It wasn't the last semester, but oh I mean, college was getting over, and I can't remember. I don't know why that made me so anxious, but I I think I started thinking about it, and then um, what really kind of spurred it, I was taking Spanish, and I really wanted to learn Spanish, and I thought, and my Spanish teacher said, you know, you can keep learning, but if you really want to learn it, you have to go somewhere, you got to be immersed, and you got to learn it. So I'm like, that would be really cool, but I don't know how to do that because when I get out of school, I'm going to have a lot of student loans. And I still don't know exactly what I'm going to do. Is anyone there? (laughs) Yeah? Oh, man. So I'm like, okay. Somewhere in between that time, God was working on my heart, and um, he really gave me the desire to just go somewhere. It's like, you know what? I'm at, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of Pepperdine, but I go back there. I haven't been back there for a while, but I went back there after being gone for a few years, and I couldn't even believe I went to school there. I was like, I, I mean, it's just, it's overlooking the Pacific Ocean. It's gorgeous. I loved my teachers. I loved going to school there. I had awesome friends. I had, you know, if I step back, I knew I had everything I need, um, including some debt. But I also had every other material thing that I really needed. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to, I just want to give back. Like, I, I've got this degree, I, you know, I've got my life in front of me, but um, I just feel so like, God's taken such good care of me, I just want to give back somehow. So that's kind of where my heart um, came from. And it's like, well, you know, and one of my other friends, she's like, I have to go to PA school, I need lots of hours, so I'm going to go to Guatemala. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'll consider that. And so it was like a three-month type trip. Um, so... um. I'm going to hit pause there because that was the decision for my first kind of short-term mission. It's about a three-month mission trip to Guatemala. But um, go ahead and uh, hit the next slide there. But Are you going to say something about that? Something? Um, That's just the introduction. That's me in the middle right there.
0: True. See the guy? But big what bangs. Do, what do you guys notice about those people? I do. They're all smiling? <laughs> no. One of the... One
2: aspect
0: leg.
2: Just one? One girl. Just one one? one? one girl. Yeah, I can tell. Go back. Go okay, back. go back. Go back, Michael. <laughs>
0: yeah, look closely. <laughs> Oops. Oh, oh man. Is, kind of yeah. is, that, is that the one?
2: Oh, oh, just the beginning.
0: That's it? Yep. That is the black <laughs> screen. The
2: black screen of oh, because when you click it, it wants to keep going forward, huh? It's not meant to go rewind. There we go, sweet.
0: See the Oh, there's two. I see two. Yeah, there is two.
2: I see two. So um, that's naughty. That person in the back got both arms. Um, So that's naughty. She's actually studied to go to school to be a physical therapist, but. Her limb is like literally like that short so it's amazing that she can even walk without any assisted device and she was walking and going up and down steps and carrying things and going down a step and if you know anything about prosthetics and about prosthetic knees it was pretty amazing um, he lost his leg to cancer several years ago about ten years ago and he's actually one of the main practitioners technicians down where I went there um, I'll tell you more about how I got down there in a little bit. Okay. And then those are all the, those are a few of the people that work down there in Costa Rica. So, okay, introduction. Okay, done. Okay, Michael, next slide. I'll try not to go back if at all possible, okay? Um, all right, so I'm going to get uh, real quick, make you guys think a little bit. I want at least three less than one minute. Less than 30 second ideally answers on what, what did you think a missionary was when you first became a Christian or if you're not a Christian, what, what did you, when you hear missionary, what did you think a missionary was? Like, you know, whether it's a visual or a definition. And sometimes you have to think back a little bit. Go ahead. I remember
0: thinking uh, missions Lord, missionaries Mormons. Yes. <laughs> Pretty, well, that's, 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 that's synonymous. synonymous. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, sir. I did. When I have time, well, yeah. I'm a Christian at very child, young child age. I didn't, know, I didn't know they existed.
2: Okay. Sweet, that, <laughs> that can happen as well. Yes.
0: I definitely pictured them in more of a
2: um, across the seas kind of thing, like Yeah. in different countries, not necessarily. Yeah. Um, into, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Typically, yeah, like a, basically like a foreign missionary. Like a missionary has to be a foreign missionary. I'm just
0: serving. That's just what I think about.
2: When you were first a Christian? I was first. oh, <laughs> You had a good, good perspective on that early on. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I'm trying to think back what I thought. I mean, I, I agree. I think that's it. I mean, you definitely think of door-to-door Mormon missionaries. Has anyone had a Mormon missionary knock on their door? No. Of course you have. You just didn't know it. Um, Jehovah Witnesses—they always knock. Yeah. Um, so, how did how does it make you feel? Like when when a missionary—I don't know—when a Mormon missionary came up to me and wanted to talk to me. I don't know. How did it make you feel? Make you feel like I can't wait to talk to them. I just want to hear what they have to say. Run. I'm busy! Turn your head, I'm busy! <laughs> anyway, so that, I think that's kind of the general uh, feel that the, the general public gets of a missionary. Okay, next slide. Okay, now after the vast education and experiences and talks you've had someone sum up just one person who's the most astute person No. um what, what, what do you what is a missionary How, we'll get like two definitions of what a missionary is what do you think it is now now yeah. um, go ahead um, this is going to be a good one someone
0: who has a passion for god who's willing to evangelize to people who need to hear it
2: it's a pretty good definition yes sir
0: Someone who's willing to someone someone who's willing to go in, to, to go and, and do what God says. And like even what which says I I I think about Christ no matter what. I not give up. Yeah. On them. L- That's
2: like pretty like good. Derek Broadhurst. <laughs> Just like Derek Broadhurst. What a guy. Man, I wish I knew that guy. <laughs> yeah. You do, actually. I do, you're right, I do. I've known him for a long time, actually. I've known him since he was born.
0: I have known
2: you since you were born. Okay. Um, good. Next slide. So I'll sum that up a little bit, and we're, we're going to get to this verse. So potentially going from, you know, uh, Mormon missionaries dressed up in a tie and rides on a bike with the helmet, they have to wear helmets, and then knocks on your door, or someone you kind of want to avoid, or someone who says, I'm a missionary, I'm heading across seas, and that's where I'm going, and that's it. So um, two, you know, missionaries is kind of a word that we've kind of coined with it, but it's um, I think, maybe someone who's just willing to go serve God wherever it is, whether it's here or over there. So, I think that's probably a more accurate definition. Okay, so um, if you have your Bible apps or phones or actual Bibles, you can turn to this. But, and, and I want you guys to raise your hand if you've heard this verse before. I'm sure a lot of you have. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. That's kind of one of those feel-good verses, right? It's like super encouraging because God's eyes are looking all over the earth. They're, They're just searching constantly, the whole earth. If we take this, just the verse by itself, which you're not really supposed to do, but if you take it by itself and God's just, His eyes are searching in here, He's searching out there, He's searching everywhere for people whose hearts are fully committed to Him, um, so he can strengthen them, and I think I think that's a truth. I think that's a true principle. But I think if we leave that verse by itself, kind of have to look at the context of it. Um, is everyone there? Second Chronicles. Actually, um, who, who's heard this verse before? Who's like quoted this verse to their friends and family before? Because they think it's encouraging, or you know, written it on a card. This is a good card one. <laughs> like, super, it's super encouraging. Okay. <laughs> yeah. See? That's it. Oh, you shouldn't have admitted it. Gosh. Um, okay, so, but what's the context? Okay, go to the next slide. Bet you didn't know that that verse didn't really stop with committed to him. You know, these verses get segmented super quick. And it says, what a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. (laughs) (laughs) Holy moly. I didn't know that was part of that verse.
0: How did that? (laughs) That's
2: it. Just put that in the back. A and B. Okay, so most of you guys are probably there. But I was actually just... I actually um, got to this verse and... I really like this verse because I, I do believe that the general principle that God is really searching his eyes, you know, the Bible likes to personify God and God has ears. And I was telling my son, Lukey, I was like, you think God has eyes? He's like, yeah. It's like, does he have ears? Is he a person? No, he's God. Was like, but But it says that we're created in the image of God. So... If we have ears, then God probably has ears because the Bible talks about God's ears. He's like, yeah. So, it's... it's. I like making him think a little bit and he he blinks his eyelashes like this. He goes, and he thinks. And he's like, yeah. He's a cute stinker sometimes. Um, so, yeah, God has eyes and he has ears. So, he's searching. And... I would even venture to say that he was searching for hearts that are or will be fully committed to him at some point, whether you know it or not. Because a lot of people on their Christian spiritual journey, whatever the spiritual journey is, um, sometimes it's kind of a safer feeling to... Um, you know, we all feel safer when we just believe what we believe, you can believe what you believe. But, you know, we all have to decide for ourselves. No one can make you do it. No one really can. No one can, actually. I don't care how good the missionary is. No one can, by force, putting a gun to your head or persuade you with the most convincing words ever. No one can actually make you open your heart of stone, Um and come to God and let Him do that. You kind of you have to go through your own journey and decide that yourselves. But God's eyes are looking. And this is the context of, of this verse is uh, King Asa. Actually, is, it, is that on the next slide? Let's see. No. Go back. No, you can, you can leave it here if you want. King Asa. Yeah, oh, there. Yes, I thought I had that on there. There it is. Yeah. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to say King Asa, Asa of Judah. Um, he was he was actually one of the good kings. You know, I don't know if you've ever, any of you guys taken any Bible school or anything, and they separate and they make you, like, do the super boring thing, like, he's a good king, he's a bad king. It usually skips a generation. I don't know why. Um, so <laughs> Judah-Israel separated, and Israel now was, like, bad because they were kind of, not real pure and worshiping idols and stuff. So King Esau was still King of Judah, and his heart was after God, for sure. But there was an incident that happened, if you read just a few verses up, where um, he was doing really well, and then the king of Israel actually decided to attack him and actually did, and then started fortifying the city, and he kind of had to run, and he kind of got scared. And he actually said, so what King Esau did is he actually took all the treasure, all the gold and silver from God's temple, from the treasury, and he offered it to the king of Aram, which was a, a nearby kind of pagan nation, which is, was kind of a no-no. God said, you know, don't make treaties with other people. He said, if you need help, ask me, ask God. I, I'm going to take care of you. And so it was kind of a big boo-boo, but it actually worked. So he made the deal with the king of Aram, and um, he got Israel out of there. And King Esau said, go to fortify the city, we're good. And then this, this guy, Hanani, the seer, which is basically like one of God's prophets, kind of approached him and um, said some things that he kind of didn't really want to hear. Um, and so that's kind of the context of this. Um, he said, because you've put your trust in the king of Aram, instead of in the Lord your God, you missed your chance to destroy the army of the king of Aram. Don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians, the Libyans, and the vast army with all their chariots and charioteers? At that time, you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you. The eyes of the Lord searched the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a fool you have been. From now on, you will be at war. Asa became so angry with Hanani for saying this that he kissed him on the cheek. You can read that. It's right there below it. Oh, you guys don't believe me? No laughs? Okay. He, He got mad and threw him in prison. Yeah, that sounds more like it. Um yeah he didn't like that, but that's that's the context of this verse and I think sometimes if if we can just say, well, what is a missionary? well, I think the I, I think a missionary is just you know where's your where's your heart? The heart of a missionary is um God is looking looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him, but he's not really looking for those who are for him and saying they're for him. And then when crunch time happens, they're actually going to try and figure out how to take care of themselves without asking God. And so God says, hey, I'm looking to strengthen you, but I need you to trust me, and I need you to listen to me, and I need you to ask me when you need help. And I think um, that's what I slowly had to learn um, with being um, in my walk with God, because if, you're, if you feel like the pinnacle of maybe the Christian experience is like going into ministry or being a missionary, um, sometimes you can set yourself up for failure and you really need to make sure you're, you're listening and you're hearing God's voice and your heart is fully committed to Him because He, he will use you wherever you are. You don't have to go anywhere um, to go be a missionary. Um, and I, and there's different gifts. I mean, I for a while I thought, well, I can't be a missionary because I don't feel like I have the gift of evangelism. I don't, I don't like going out on the street. I don't like going to any public place, especially people I don't know, and just start talking to them about God and if they're a Christian and Jesus. I just, it's just. You now my dad and brother, on the other hand, they, they're all for it. So, and. You're and my son does. Yeah, he actually brings people to church. I'm like, "Okay, we're bringing he him to up church."
0: To and says, "So, do you know Jesus?"
2: Why? <laughs> do you believe in God? No, he really wants to know, "Do you believe in God?" Oh, why not? It's pretty cool. I'm like, I should try that sometime. I should I mean, he just wants to know what they believe. That's all. I'm sort yeah.
0: Of, I'm sort of scared to ask my morning cab driver my, my program. Uh, I like, and, 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 and heard why. Because he's Islamic, like mm. a Quran, Islamic guy. Yeah. Cab driver. For, for my, for my, for the, my, my friend the program. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm sort sure of a little hesitant to ask him, Have heard of Jesus?
2: I think you should start with Do you believe in God? And yeah. he'll probably say yes. And then you say, Well, tell me what you believe and you can go from there. to
0: start.
2: It's all you just people just oh, I almost said something a little I'm getting ahead of myself. So, um let's go to the next slide. I'll take you my my first uh my first step and my first journey. So, I'll start moving along here a little bit more, but um <laughs> I did want to talk about that verse a little bit because it stirred my heart up a little bit, and I, after reading it through a little bit, I think it's something good to maybe read back and chew on and see what can apply to your life. But my first missionary experience was going back to after school. I'm like, well, I'm going to go to Guatemala for three months. The setup was I just need to raise, I think it was a couple thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars. It was pretty inexpensive. And I was going there. supposed to be on a medical mission trip. I wanted to learn Spanish, and there was going to be a mission team coming down typically every week or every other week, a short term mission team. We're going to help them, help translate for them, um, get hours. You know, a lot of there's supposed to be a a doctor's office and a dentist's office set up in the back of the church. And so we got down there and went over to the church, and um, it's Central America, and we asked where the the medical clinic was, and it was like like a half-built cement block building, and um, there was a few like dental chairs and stuff, but they were kind of covered up, and it looked really far away from being done, but we were already there, so we were trying to figure out, well, what were we going to do? So I learned really quickly in my first mission trip that things do not happen quickly or very efficiently in Central America when um, you're at the mercy of funds. So uh, so we're kind of figuring out, well, what do we do? We actually told people we're coming here to help medical missionaries and work in a medical clinic, and now we can't do that. So it was kind of interesting. Um, had to start meeting people and do that. And there were still some teams that came down, um, and I did. I did... Learned Spanish and uh, it wasn't full immersion but we lived with a Spanish family so that helped. Wanted to learn Spanish. Um, but I left that trip with a lot of good things. We went to some rural areas. I did help get a help translate. I um, went to a, their dump where people, you know, thousands and thousands of people lived and tried to survive there. So there's a lot of things about being in the third world that really open your eyes. But I I left there, um, didn't really feel very effective in what I had decided to do. It didn't really leave me feeling like I was totally fulfilled, and I didn't really feel like I could help people as much as I wanted to. Um, so what did the Spirit really teach me there? Next slide. I wish I had one of those clickers. Well... I was burdened with the thought of, I really want to go help people, but um, I feel like I I can't really go back on any type of mission trip without a specific purpose and a specific skill to offer people, because it just felt so awkward. They're like, you know, who are you? Why are you here? It's like, I'm a missionary, and it's like, yeah, you know, I'm a missionary, and then like, that's kind of it. Okay, great. You know, tell me about Jesus. Well, they kind of knew about Jesus in a lot of different ways because it was heavily, heavy Catholic, and they just mixed it with their own Indian religion. So it wasn't anything new to them. And um, it was probably like the 10th version that they would have heard of the Christ- Christianity. So I was like, man, this is, you know, if I go back again, I, I just need something because when we went to some of those places, um, just for me in my heart, what I would feel called to do is I knew God had given me certain passions and gifts and I wanted to go share them. But just being Homer and taking a Bible and saying here, I just, you know, and some, some people do that. They just feel called to a place and they're going to go with the Bible and they're going to go with the Word of God and they're going to do that and they're going to be effective um, because they're called to do that. But um, what I've found whether it's here, whether it's my neighbor across the street, whether it's my coworker, is they generally don't care what you know unless they generally know that you care. And you guys have probably heard that a lot. And so I'm kind of looking at these faces, and I don't know if these people really know if Homer cares. I don't know. Even the little girl, I think she's like, he's up to something. So... Um, I wanted to go back with a specific purpose and with a specific skill. So that was 2003. So fast forward almost 15 years, 2017. Um, ended up getting into orthotics and prosthetics and um, making custom braces and everything from foot orthotics to knee braces, back braces, all that stuff. And then prosthetic legs and arms and stuff like that so um really like that and really the last three or four years especially you've really been praying about an opportunity to go somewhere but um you can't really just go somewhere because you got to bring a lot of supplies and um even if you go somewhere bring some supplies and make something um there's no follow-up care so um the logistics get complicated pretty quick you need to go somewhere where there's something established and uh, and you need a lot of supplies to bring, and then you got got ways, you have to have ways to ship these prosthetic supplies. Some of them um, can be quite expensive and quite heavy, and if you don't have good contacts there, then um, they can probably just take them from you at customs or charge you and tax you lots of money. So there's lots of uh, logistics there. So uh, we'll move on to the next slide. So I didn't really want to go back and do what Homer was doing. I just didn't excite me, but I'm like, I just want to go show people that I care and help them. And, um, you know, if something comes up and I can share why I'm doing what I'm doing, then I'm I'm going to do it. But I'm going to go serve people because that's what God's called me to do. Um, so I put this slide in here because I was kind of curious. Um, what have any, any of you guys heard or people have been... Personally, on mission trips, or had personal family or friends that were missionaries, and maybe actually raised a bunch of support, went somewhere, and they were. I'm I'm a missionary, and I'm going. So, what are the most common reasons that uh, missionary may say they have had a like a negative experience, or I put kind of a failed experience, because some people say, "Well, I just I was failed, and you didn't fail." But yes, go ahead. It didn't go the way they planned it to go. Or <laughs> Yes. It wasn't as much of a vacation as they expected. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, maybe they were kind of expecting to, I'm going to go tell people, and I'm going to go encourage people, and, you know, share people, and they're going to believe what I believe, and then as that kind of didn't all quite happen. Yeah.
0: No conversions. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so like it's like, you know, the goal is to win souls and to win people. It's like, well, and sometimes that's that's that may not be what God's goal is, so goals kind of have to line up. Anyone else?
1: People go and they get, done, they get sick.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yes. Yeah, really they sick like over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah, that can be pretty defeating, cause you to ask the why question a lot. And I I was just very fortunate that, um, you know, my dad was involved in missions enough and in the ministry, and I was prayed over. And um, I don't know if, I believe one of the gentlemen gave me specifically this advice, but it was very much, it was, you know, praying and, whatever they encouraged me with and whatever they said, whatever the Holy Spirit was putting in me was very much, you need to lower your expectations and try not to expect much and just let God work through you, is going to happen. And guess what? That, that other girl that I went with from, that I graduated with, and she needed her hours for PA school and that wasn't working. And guess what? Then she tried to go volunteer at the local like fire station that did, you know, emergency stuff, and they wouldn't take her because she didn't have her um, U.S. license, even though we had a degree and she had her CPR certification. It wasn't enough, and she was female, and so she just wasn't getting her hours. It was really frustrating. Um, Some things happened, but she ended up going home halfway through and just completely broken and distraught and just not a very good experience for her. She cried a lot of times cried a lot when she left. So um so I was just thankful it's like man thank god that I didn't have these grandiose expectations of what I needed what I thought I needed to do and I just said god I'm here's my heart here's what I'm doing just use me in whatever way teach me in whatever way and I I did I learned a lot. Um but that does happen a lot so um Those are all very common. Okay, next slide. Um, And so for me, I did have not a lot of expectations, but it still left me kind of, you know, in want. Like that that wasn't a good enough experience. I need to do more. So um, just been praying about a lot. So I got an opportunity with uh, one of my coworkers who lived in Costa Rica for a few years and he actually um, stopped what he was doing to be a missionary. Um, actually, funny down in Bolivia that didn't kind of work out, and he ended up working in the orthotic and prosthetic shop in Costa Rica with this guy that he met randomly, and worked there for about three years, and um, it was great. I mean, their their little shop is great setup. It's actually a house like this is actually a house in there that they're leasing. And they, you know, set up the the parallel bars there, and they've got a, you know, station in the back for working with cast and plaster. And patients come in, and they make a lot of legs, man. And if you if you've been to Central America, actually a lot of third world countries, but holy moly, you, half those people lose their legs driving, man. Holy smokes, man. They're on these little motorcycles, and they're <laughs> weaving and bobbing. I'm like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. You're about you're going to be a patient of mine soon. That's what, that's what we were thinking. And it, it does happen a lot. So, so yeah, I went from wanting a specific skill and um, it was very fulfilling to actually finally be able to go down and have a specific skill. Now, this one is a little different. And My mom said, well, share about your, your mission trip. I'm like, well, it wasn't really a mission trip. She's like, well, it was, yeah, it was. And so... Um, For me, yeah, I I mean, we were even kind of calling a mission trip and I prayed a lot before, but there wasn't any specific like focused ministry stuff there because the guy whose um, practice this was, uh, he wasn't, he, he wasn't really a Christian. He believed in God and he loved helping people. I mean, all he knew is that when he did these things, He could be making people's legs all year, but when he did these things and gave people stuff that they needed, I mean, he was like literally on this emotional high the whole week, but you could tell at the end, he kind of, he'd go through these withdrawals and he just can't wait to do it again, so I think that's his way of knowing there's a God and knowing there's these fulfilling experiences that, that he was having, but he didn't really have much of another reason of, uh, why, except that he knew it made him feel good because he was doing something good. Um, but that, that only lasted the week and then he needed to do it again. So, you know, really, I, it's, it was kind of his, you know, natural drug if, if you want to call it that. So, um, but for me and the other guy, we were, we were Christians. And so, um, we were just happy to be there, and I was happy to be there, to learn and, and serve people. Yes. So,
0: in this shop, with the that we, works, we, and with we, we, prosthetic limbs, I feel like the, the why didn't the world come out with what, honestly, <laughs> to be honest with you, with, why isn't there any Terminator prosthetic limbs?
2: They're coming out, man. Hey, there, it's, technology's there, buddy.
0: Come on, it's like, like, come on, guys. Create some T-800 arms or legs. I
2: know, I know. They're working on it. Trust me, these MIT guys, they're working on it. Oh,
0: that's good. That's good.
2: Yeah, (laughs) it's there. It's just not out on the market yet.
0: You know the T-800 arm?
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. So, yes, Uh, cool stuff. So basically what we did is me and my buddy Ross, who, he manages an office, I manage an office in Roseville, and he manages an office up in Washington. And he said, hey, I'm going down to Costa Rica. You want to – because I've been telling him, hey, I want to get in this. I want to go somewhere. He's like, well, I'm going down to Costa Rica, you know, this summer if you want to go. I'm like, hey, man, that sounds like a great first experience. So we started compiling all the used components that we had, used prosthetic knees, prosthetic feet, um, liners, gel silicone liners that go inside the socket here. I won't give you a prosthetic prosthesis 101 here now, but lots of used components that um, are very necessary. So basically the guys that ran this clinic down there um, took everyone in that kind of had a compiling list of people who needed something new, whether it was a whole new leg. Sometimes they have like a government type insurance where they only pay so much money and um, they get really bare bones stuff. And if it doesn't fit well, they're stuck that's what they get so some of them it's bad enough that they're kind of waiting for someone like us to come down because you know they'd have to save you know a few thousand american dollars just to be able to get something new something that's worth it and they're not making a lot of money so they can't and costa rica is actually probably one of the best economic countries in central america it's really good um tourism wise the economy's pretty boosted because of that but um, still, people—it's—it's it's Central America, so there's not a lot of money there. Um, so it was a very fulfilling second mission, second missionary experience. We saw about twelve, twelve or thirteen patients in four days. So we'd literally—they'd come in, we'd all kind of figure out who's going to work with who. We'd cast the patient, go back, pour plaster, modify it heat and mold uh, plastic socket bolted onto the components and then come back. They'd, they'd have lunch and then we'd come back in the afternoon, do the test fitting, um, give them a quick physical therapy, align everything, make sure everything was good, make the adjustments. And they were walking out with the leg. And some of them literally walked out with, you know, it was their first leg that they've ever had. Some of them just needed a new one because the other one was so bad they couldn't couldn't wear it. But Um, this is, uh, this is a guy who came, he actually took a bus. I think it was like a four or five hour bus ride. Um, and it was his first leg. And I think he wasn't going to be able to get his leg for, for a while. Um, and I can't remember if he was cancer or a car accident, but, um, he ended up walking really good right away. So, okay, go, go to the next slide and then I'll just... Now I'll kind of go through a few patients that we saw and then I'll open up to any questions. Yeah, go, the, go to the next one, Michael. Oh, gotcha, you're trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Yeah. It's not going. So um, Costa Rica 2017, kind of talked about already. Four-day clinic, still third world um, with some inefficiencies. Ineffic- but, okay, next slide. Um, got to see a lot of cool things in the United States there's really not a lot of the uh, the limb salvage uh, medical field we have here is pretty state-of-the-art so if someone's in a bad accident or if someone's got cancer or um, there's a lot more aggressive different types of treatments where they can save the leg lower down and give them more of a limb to work with Um, but we actually saw three hip disarticulations. So the femur leg bone that's attached up in the hip socket, the whole femur bone is gone. So they've got the you know, the the hips of ball and socket joint. So the ball's all the way out and they just have the socket joint there. So why would their femur bone be gone? Uh, cancer. So the cancer got in the bone and they just they gotta take the whole bone out. So, and there's, there's a lot, there was, I mean, there's cancer everywhere, but there was, there seemed to be a pretty high prevalence of, of cancer there. So this was, um, a young guy, I think he was like late teens, maybe like 18, 19 and, um, cancer. And he was this day, the next day was his last chemo treatment. So he was, um, he was pretty tired, but he, he was real upbeat kid and, He was excited. So, this is a new casting system that we did. So, that's us taking plaster around there. And then we're casting his leg up well, his hip up. And um, then we uh, have a, then we wrap it around, pour plaster in it when we take it off. And then we bolt on this plastic here with straps up there. This is an actual, this is a hip joint. And it goes down with this carbon strut into a knee joint and then back down into a prosthetic foot. And the alignment is a little tricky because if you guys would stand on one leg and be really relaxed, like you have no control over your knee, and then just have someone come up behind you and just do that, you think you'd be able to hold hold yourself up or you think you'd fall down. So these guys with above-the-knee amputations and need a prosthetic knee, they fall, I mean, it's... To say it's easy to fall is like beyond an understatement. So if you looked at the knee from the side, I couldn't put all the pictures. You basically have to set it up so they have like a stork leg. So the alignment's really stable. So the knee stays locked straight all the time. And they have to really lean forward to get the knee to bend. But um, I was going to try and put one video on there and I couldn't quite do it. So I can show you some stuff on my phone after if you guys want. But... Yeah, so we saw three hip disarticulations, and usually in the United States, I mean, a prosthetist might see one or two hip disarticulations in their whole like career, so it's pretty rare. And we saw like three down there in four days, so so it was it was pretty cool, just because you don't, you know, you don't get to work with them a lot, and it's a little, it's definitely a little trickier. So, okay, next slide. Actually, for any, if you have a burning question, you can answer it, but. Otherwise, we'll try and hold it to the end, so we can finish up. This is just a couple more slides, and this is the in the back of the the house. There's a little hallway that they covered over, um, and then here's like the plaster cast that we're working on, um, and then that's Alberto. He's another guy who actually started down there as uh as their gardener. And then he started working with his hands more. And then he did uh, studied and get, did courses online. And uh, now he's probably one of their main technician practitioners. So um, he's good too. That guy makes a leg better than most prosthetists in the United States. So he, awesome. it is awesome, he's good. So that's where we modify the plaster and then in the back that you can see there's uh, I don't know if you can see it but there's an oven back there and then you heat up the plastic and then you drape and you heat and there's a vacuum and you mold it around and then we grind it it's it's a little bit uh labor intensive but um but it's fun we just do it all right there. So You're kind of like an artist. Yes, kind of kind of artist, kind of constructor, kind of uh yes, engineer. Uh. Okay. Next slide. And then this is, uh, this is my coworker, Ross, who, um, he lived down there for a few years and, um, he lives up in Washington. And so, um, this is one of his hip patients that he had down there. And this is, I think his third hip prosthesis that we've done for him, but you know, he's, he's a young kid. I can't remember if he was a, an accident or if he was cancer, but, um, I've got a picture of him walking too, but it's pretty pretty cool to see it, a hip patient walk. Usually, you know, it's hard enough here sometimes to get some of these old people to walk with an above-the-knee prosthesis, and these kids are just whipping that thing around. And <laughs> Actually, when we were casting him, he was, like, hopping on one leg like, like it was a pogo stick. I'm like, holy moly, he's, like, going on that thing. So, really, he would probably get around almost just as good, if not better, on one leg. The problem is, is the wear and tear on that leg the joints just wouldn't hold up. So they, you have to have that on his other leg. But, um, but you know, you got something just super tight right up against that spot. And then it's going right across in the groin. And then, it's you know, and it's a lot of, a lot of effort to, to like pelvic thrust and get that thing around. So, um, his name's Harley. little Harley. So that was the first hip that I kind of did kind of start to finish with Ross. So, next slide and of course you got to enjoy the country especially like in Costa Rica so um, we did a, like a jungle tour so there's like there's like swinging bridges and stuff and then um, there's some pretty nice beaches there too as you can probably imagine possibly possibly yes all right next slide Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. What does it mean now? Mm rich coast. Oh, okay. mm. Right? Yeah. 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 Rich like coast. Um So wherever you're at, I think the question probably is is what has God called you to do? You know, for me, I don't feel like that fear going back to that um that meeting in college where you know do I need to be a go be a christian missionary over in china and possibly just risk it all and you know be put in prison and all that stuff and you know that stuff so for some people that excites people and and they're going to go they're called to do that but god doesn't god's going to change your heart he's going to create the desires in your heart And then make it happen so he created those desires he said no you don't need to do that but I've got some other things for you to do and um, so it's good question Um, if you have given your heart to God and you want God's um, you want him to strengthen you and to lead you and direct you to have an awesome life of adventure uh, he's looking and he's searching for those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. And so missionary here or missionary abroad or a little bit of both, I feel fully called to being a missionary right where I'm at. I mean, tell you what, my co-workers, they, they, they need God just as bad as anyone else in the world. And for me to think that I need to just get up and go somewhere else when I've I've got God calling me right to the people right in my life right now um, you know I'd, I'd be really turning my head away and not really hearing what God's calling me to do so um, so long and short for me I think you guys I think it's kind of obvious at this point but uh, God's just calling us all to follow him and and to serve as a missionary wherever you are I mean When it comes out of my mouth, it doesn't sound as sounds a little trite, but it is. You you don't have to go places, and you know what? If if you do go places, then great. He's he's going to take care of that too. His eyes are searching to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Amen. 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 Uh, Yes. Um. Any, any questions? Yes. How did you become a part of
0: the medical missionary trip? When, like, how was it? Because of your friends?
2: That your friends yeah, cause I was. I mean, I was looking. Um, I was asking people at our church. I mean, every. You know, there's. Uh, you know, our church helped build a, a medical clinic, in Nigeria, and I was asking them. I kind of connected with the the doctor that was there and said, hey what do you have going there? Do you have any interest there? I was just praying and turning over rocks. And like three years ago, my goal was like, okay, by the end of next year, I'm going to go somewhere. I'm just going to go somewhere. Well, that didn't, <laughs> kind of didn't happen. So it's like, okay, it's nothing's there. So, um, you know, I just kept praying and, um, yeah. So I, and I was asking him cause I knew he was a missionary at some point in Costa Rica. And it's funny cause he was a missionary, but he was you know, he was living there and working there, so it wasn't a ton of money, but um, he just lived there and worked there, which which would have been pretty cool, and he said, hey, I go back there, try and go back there every summer, so if you want summers, you know, Costa Rica is pretty inexpensive, um, it's pretty safe, and, you know, it's it'll be a really good first experience, there's a lot of patience, all that stuff, I'm like, score deal but I had been looking really concerted and really praying hard and really trying to keep my mind and my ears open for for a few years to try and see like where could I go and this still isn't like it I think this is for sure just the beginning but I'm still praying to see um, you know where else God wants me to go and um, if he wants me to start something or join or partner with someone so it's kind of you know the needs are pretty big and there's a lot of organizations that are doing it, um, but yeah he he said he was going down and I said let's buddy up I'm going. <laughs> do you have a question? Yeah. Why, uh, why do we 15 years for the second year? It's a good question. I don't know. Um, there was a little I didn't I didn't put it in there. There was a little bit of a pseudo mission. Uh, hiatus to uh, the distant land of Florida. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> Can you repeat the question? Yeah, he said, why did I wait 15 years between the first and the second? And that was just, you know, I, again, I I was kind of missionary wherever I was going in that sense, but I did, I think I did, I didn't feel called to raise support and then just go somewhere and live. I just didn't. I just didn't want to do that for myself or my family, but I was looking, and I just had to keep trusting that, you know, God would show me when the right time was, and um, I did roast coffee in Florida for uh, our good friends that were missionaries uh, and had a school project in Nicaragua, and so we we helped them out quite a bit, but I wasn't, like, uh, raising support and doing that. I was—we were just living there and living in their house, and then— had, you know, small jobs here and there and roasting coffee. So did that for a couple of years until I got back into orthotics and prosthetics. So there was kind of, God kind of takes us all on a little journey, but um, I got a real good nose for coffee now. So, um, but yeah, it was long story short, just a lot of praying and, and waiting really.
0: Didn't you happen, that, uh, it's a little strange question here about uh, 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 Costa Rica, mm-hmm. didn't you happen to see the location where they filmed that one
2: scene in Jurassic Park? I don't answer a appropriate okay. question. The restaurant scene? You know, someone told me at one point, they're like, yeah, that area where they filmed something in Jurassic Park, but I... I don't remember where it was so I may have seen it. Oh, the I, I bet I saw it from the plane.
0: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> yes, all other questions? Yes, one more. Um, what were the requirements to be part of the medical because I want to do a medical missionary uh. like, or be a medical missionary. I want to be a nurse but like yeah. you have to have No, like, okay, so the Guatemala, I mean, I was, I told people it was a medical mission, but I mean, I had a a Bachelor of Science degree, so I, you know, and my CPR certification, so I I didn't really have much, but that's what, for me, that was really frustrating because I didn't have a professional uh, skill that I could offer people and serve people. Um, You know, our pastor, he's... I don't know where he got it, but he always says, um, "Goodwill." Um, I'm probably going to butcher this actually, because I don't know it real well. But uh, goodwill leads to good fortune, um, leads to good news. And so, you know, if people see that you're you're out there willing to serve them and help them, it puts a lot of barriers down. And I just remember being frustrated. I was there for three months, and there was lots of Lots of days where I just didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. So I think you kind of have to just look around. Um, definitely, definitely good to have a plan. And, but I don't think you'd, you necessarily need that. So if you have like, um, you could probably contact a lot of those uh, mission organizations and ask what the requirements are. But definitely helps if you, you know, if you're an RN. Or if you're a physical therapist, or if you're a doctor, because they want to know what what are you cred- credentialed to do and not do, and if you're not credentialed to do a lot, then you're not going to be as useful. It doesn't mean you can't go as like an introductory trip, which w- was what I did, and it was a great learning experience. But um, but I just felt a lot better. And this this t- the Costa Rica technically wasn't like a medical mission trip. It was just my um, it was just a service trip that we kind of did, you know, and it'll end up probably being some type of, we'll we'll go back next year again to either Nicaragua and or Costa Rica. We'll see.
0: I have some friends that have done um, medical missions while they were still in college, so I could talk to them if you would like me too, to find out how to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, if you've got more questions for Luke, talk to him afterwards, mm-hmm. and right. yeah. we'll be good. Yeah. Thanks,
2: thanks.